Welcome to the first episode of the Chronic Illness Playbook. My name is Joe, and I am excited to start on this journey with all of you. So thank you for coming along. Now let's begin. Navigating the world of chronic illness hasn't always been a fairy tale for this Disney princess performer, but you'd never know that from her delightfully whimsical mobility aids, nor from her practically perfect and pragmatic Spoonie survival kits. This chronic illness warrior documents the good, the bad, and the truly honest on her prolific YouTube channel, her dazzling Instagram page, and on her comprehensive blog. And although the ventures are many, the name stays the same. Chronically Jenny. That's Jenny, with two N's and one I. Get ready to be charmed by her wit, impressed by her superhuman reflexes, and intrigued by her in-depth analysis of such classics as The Grapes of Wrath and the Frozen Film franchise. But I'll let her tell you all about it on this week's The Chronic Illness Playbook. It is a pleasure to welcome Chronically Jenny here today. Uh, if you're trying to look for her online, it's Jenny with an I. Yeah. You can find her at Instagram at Chronically Jenny, also chronicallyjenny.com. And then if you also want to see her on YouTube, she has a wonderfully prolific channel, and you can find her at Chronically Jenny. So, Jenny, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. So I'm really excited to get into this. You've got some great content out there. Uh, And so if you could just uh, introduce yourself to everybody and let us know what chronic illnesses you have and how long have you had them? Yeah, so I was diagnosed with hypermobile Ehlers-Danlos syndrome and with POTS or postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome uh, back in 2016. And I spent about two years of being unwell and being undiagnosed and trying to find out what was going on. And at that time, I also had a CSF leak, um, which I had surgery to get fixed in early 2017 as well. Um, so yeah, those are my, those are my illnesses and yeah, dealing, dealing with them on a daily basis is fun, right? (laughs) Well, you're, you're talking to your POTS family over here. I've had POTS since 2007. So, wow. uh, You're I mean, a professional potsy. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I've gone from pro to amateur at times, and now I'm back to, uh, I've got my pro status again. Uh, and so I have pots, and we've talked to other people on the program who have also had pots. Um, but uh, you're the first thing you have. Ellis Danlos syndrome. <laughs> uh, people also did call it EDS. Yeah, um, EDS as well. is a bit easier. <laughs> Got it. So uh, a big thing that I I like to ask people to do when we have a new chronic illness on the program is uh, a big thing with advocacy is trying to dumb things down for the people who aren't around this day by day. So for your EDS, could you explain it to us or to me as if I'm five years old? Okay. (laughs) Um, I think usually when I'm talking to or if I talk to a kid about it, I kind of just say that I'm a little bit bendy and sometimes my joints don't really stay where they should. So I get a lot of pain and sometimes things go out of their socket, but it's kind of okay because they'll go back in hopefully at some point. <laughs> at some <laughs> um, point, yeah. At some point, yeah. It might take a couple of days, could take a couple of minutes, who knows? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but yeah, that's the bulk. and But it also means that the stuff on my insides can be stretchy and my skin can be stretchy and I can hurt myself really easily and bruise really easily. 
Um, but that can happen on the inside too. And sometimes I'll know about it and sometimes I won't. <laughs> I didn't know about the internal stretchiness. Yeah. So we, th- we think that's the reason that a lot of people with EDS have POTS because our blood vessels are stretchy. They can't uh. pump the blood as effectively, hence giving us this autonomic um, dysfunction, but it's also the reason that I ended up with my CSF leak um, because most CSF leaks, um, which is a brain fluid leak, are caused by either surgery or like a really, really bad car accident. But with EDS, sometimes they can just happen because you, the layer around your brain is too stretchy and it can break. And that's what happened. And that's kind of what started this whole this whole journey for me. Oh, wow. Well, yeah. you're... Your online presence is absolutely fantastic. Uh, if you go to her to her Instagram and go to the Linktree link at the top of her page, <laughs> you can you've you've created some great survival kits. There's a uh, pot survival kit, an EDS survival kit. Uh, I think it's you have it as the chronic illness survival kits. Absolutely wonderful. We're going to delve into that a little bit later. Uh, but just in your life, we're going to just get your power rankings. What okay. is the, the number one thing that you use every day that you couldn't live without? Okay, so I think there's two. I'm not sure I can go quite to number one. I've narrowed it very much one down. One A, one B, that's fine. Yeah. We can, we can <laughs> yeah, that's fine. So I think one is more for my EDS and one is more for my POTS. So I think that's that's why I'm, I'm allowing myself to. <laughs> I'll, I'll allow it, yes. Ah, we can thanks. accept that. Um, so I think number one, I always tell people with pots, the first thing to get is a shower stool or a shower chair. Absolutely like changed my life. I used to find it so difficult showering and I'd have to have people to help me. And I'd sit on the floor of a bathtub with a shower over me. And it just was never, it was never very dignified or very comfortable. And it just made having a shower like so much more effort. So to have a shower stool, and take away one of the elements that is difficult when you have pots, which is the standing. Mm. Um, When you've got the heat and the putting your hands above your head in the shower, it just makes life so much easier. Um, I tell so many people to get a shower stool and some of them still don't. And I don't understand. (laughs) (laughs) Sitting in the shower, it, first of all, it turns your shower into a sauna now. So you, you just take whatever shower you have and now you're, you feel like you're some celebrity in this mat and you can just like sit. And I, I got one a couple years ago when my pots got really, really bad. And I completely agree. It changed my life. It changed the way I started my days. Because a lot of people, it just takes so much energy to go shower. And then now it's like, oh, I can just get clean and not be wiped out. I can now do a second thing today other than showering. Exactly, exactly. But equally, I'm surprised that more people without chronic illnesses don't use them. Like, why is it not a thing generally? Like, I'm surprised that my partner doesn't use my shower stool. (laughs) Like, who doesn't want to sit down in the shower, right? (laughs) Like, (laughs) Uh, Yeah. And then do you have one for EDS? Yes. So my other one is this ergonomic knife that I have that's kind of like a backwards L shape. And instead of putting the pressure on your finger joints like you would if you were using a normal knife, it, mm-hmm. you can use your whole hand and the whole weight of your arm. And it makes it so much easier to chop things and cook. And again, just takes the pressure off all the joints in your hand. And yeah, has been an absolute lifesaver. So that's my number one EDS recommendation. 
could you send me the link to that? I want to definitely hear it with people, put it in the, you know, all the products and stuff that we're talking about today. You know, if you're listening to this, you can find it in the description (laughs) of the podcast. So we're, we're also in the middle of a global pandemic, which is absolutely (laughs) wonderful for people with chronic illnesses. Uh, the United States, uh, where I'm from is not handling it great. Uh, so, uh, there have been a lot of things that people have had to change in their daily lives. Uh, since March, have you had to change anything in your life? Have you started any habits or practices, uh, that have affected your, uh, chronic illnesses? Um, I think with, cause we're in lockdown again. Um, mm. so like quarantine was for you guys back in the earlier months of the year, we're in our second one. And I think what's been really important for me with my chronic illness is keeping my sleep the same because I really struggled in the first lockdown. I didn't have anything to do. Um, I wasn't able to go to work. So I, I was just kind of staying in bed most of the day and then not sleeping at night. So I found it really important, especially this second lockdown, to keep my my sleep space separate and um, keep the keep the sleep hygiene up so that I'm not watching TV and doing that kind of thing in bed and making sure when I'm going to sleep, I'm going to sleep. <laughs> Oh, that's fantastically important. And uh, I, I'm absolutely uh, struggling with that. There's just not enough to do during the day to tire me out. And then, yeah, then we're just up and awake. And that's great for people who need those eight hours or more. Definitely. So so you've had your chronic illnesses for a handful of years. And I'm sure, you know, in you have relationships, you have uh, family relationships, uh, being out in the world, that type of thing. You probably run into uh, people who have misconceptions about your chronic illnesses. Uh, Have there any big ones, any recurring ones that you've run into? I'm quite lucky that there haven't been any regular like recurring ones. Um, I did find it very difficult when I used to work at a cinema And a lot of customers, especially older customers, wouldn't understand why I was sitting down. And there was an older gentleman um, one time. I was actually only 10 days out of um, a surgery on my CSF leak and I was back at work and I was sat down. And I remember him saying to me, why are you sat down when he's not sat down, um, pointing to my colleague over on the other side? And I was like, oh, I've I've just had surgery. And he just went, don't give me all that. And I like, I was literally just in shock that anyone would would say that. And I think it happened a couple of times. And that time I was really upset. But after that, I kind of just had to laugh it off and ignore it because it was just ridiculous. Like people don't think before they speak sometimes. And they just Mm -hmm. see a younger supposedly fit person and instantly go, you're just being lazy, right? Um, yeah. If they, if they don't see blood or bone, then it's exactly. like, perfectly fine. <laughs> and it's like, no, there are shades in between. We don't have to have a compound fracture here for me not to be able to stand. Exactly. So yeah, I think that was one. And also sometimes my mobility aids, um, sometimes I kind of use them on a sliding scale of, 
sometimes mobility aids really mess with my shoulders because of my EDS. So I can't use my mobility aids. And other times I'll need them for certain things and not for other things. And sometimes I use a walking, uh, sometimes I use a walking stick. Sometimes it's a walker. Sometimes it's a wheelchair. And some people couldn't really get on with that, that difference. And people would especially see my walker. I'd walk around at uni with my walking stick and leave my walker in a certain spot in the building. And people mm-hmm. would be like, whose is that? Because they just assumed it was some kind of old woman's mobility aid. And I'm like, oh, it's mine. They're like, what yeah. do you need that for? <laughs> walking it's in the name exactly Mm -hmm. exactly so i think it's definitely the the misconceptions about kind of invisible illness and and mobility aids and younger people um having disabilities because for some reason society thinks that young people can't have disabilities and i've never really understood that logic (laughs) no but you bring up a great point with the mobility aids Uh, In terms of entering that world, do you have any tips for people who may be a little reticent to start relying on a mobility aid? I think one thing that I tend to say to people who are worried and are like, how do I know when I'm at the point where I need a mobility aid? And I think if you're thinking about it, then you probably are already at that point. And I always say, if it's helpful for you and you know how much it helps you, then you kind of have to block out what everyone else thinks. And the more confident you are in using it, the more the world is going to see you that way and just accept it. And with my mobility aids especially, I have some beautiful ones now from an incredible company who make beautiful, beautiful mobility aids. But before that, I had a really old rickety walker, but I covered it in stickers and tape of my favorite things and really made it my own so that I didn't see it as a bad thing to be using it or like a step back Mm -hmm. so that I could be confident with it. And most of the time, if people ask me questions, they're asking me questions about the stickers or telling me how pretty my mobility aid is. And that's the way I want it to be rather than people being like, why are you using that? Hip it up a little bit. I I really dig that. Exactly. Uh, what's the the company? Do you know off the top of your head? The yeah, it's called Neo Walks. Um, mm. It's N E O Walks. Um, and Lindsay, who runs it, is absolutely fantastic. Um, I've got four or five of her sticks now. I've got one that lights up. I've got one <laughs> that's got different colors that you can change the colors, different pieces. I've got a bright red one with bubbles in it um there's there's so many different colors and and choices they are absolutely beautiful that's great and so with uh i I know for pots i definitely have like flares at times Mm -hmm. uh for eds is it more of a situational thing where you can have something dislocate or are there just flares that happen i think it's tricky for me with pots and eds because A lot of the times they have similar symptoms, um, for example, like headaches. That could be caused by one or the other, and I'll never know which one it is for the most part. Um, So it's it's always tricky to kind of figure out what's causing the flare with me. Um, But I think, as you say, with dislocations, like if something's out, it's the pain that's the flare. 
Um, and it's just doing everything to kind of calm that pain down and help that joint go back into place. Um, I'm quite lucky that I get more subluxations, which is like a partial dislocation rather than, than full ones. Um, but they're still really, really uncomfortable. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. No, I've had one big dislocation in my life and, and, and in talking to people in the community, it's a regular thing. And even as somebody with a chronic illness, I'm like, how do you do it? Like, I know people look at us and they're like, how do you do it? And then I'm looking at these other people and it's like, how do you do it? I know how I do mine. How do you do yours? I think and we all look at each other and do that. <laughs> it's the Spider-Man we can never imagine meme. It. Yeah. yeah, yeah <laughs> for sure. But yeah, like sometimes it will be really quick and you'll just like, like my jaw will just pop and then go straight back in and it's kind of fine. But then other times it's usually my shoulder and it'll be out for days and it'll look really wonky and just be really weird. <laughs> does your does your partner boyfriend, does he help you uh, get them back? So I in? have this shirt that I wear. It's, it's a posture shirt. It's kind of like a compression shirt. Um, oh. And that really helps me. I used to get someone to tape it back. Mm. Um, but with EDS, because of our skin, um, I have really bad reactions to, to KT tape. Um, so I can't really use that anymore. So hence the shirt, but if I'm really, really suffering, I will tape it and deal with the the skin issues later. It's, it's choosing your worst, (laughs) which is worse, which needs more, more help. Do do I want a little rash or do I want to use my left arm? What are we going to do today? So with that compression shirt, I'm very interested in that. Is this something that you wear as a preventative measure as well to keep things in place? Or is it when you have a dislocation? I don't wear it as a preventative measure, but you definitely can. Um, For me, again, it kind of can mess with my stomach because it's a whole shirt. So it can be too tight on my stomach and then I'll get bloated. And it's which, again, a game of which symptom do you want to be Seriously, yeah. So I tend to just use it when I have a subluxation or a, a dislocation. Um, But they do, the company do other bits of... Um, sports where they do sports bras and like smaller items which you could wear on a more regular basis to be more of a preventative measure and they are designed originally to help with posture um, for the general public so that they would make you stronger and hold yourself better it's just great that it has this additional benefit for me and other people with EDS. I, I feel like with chronic illnesses we use a lot of things that are meant for others yeah and- <laughs> By the way, great reflexes. That was impressive. <laughs> yeah. I was just, I'm very impressed. Yeah, I just felt it go. <laughs> like, okay, cool. Now I'm talking to a superhero because I don't know how you reacted that quickly. Wow. This this just became a, a video podcast. People to, if you're just listening that to this, moment. Yeah, I'm sorry if you're listening to this and you don't know what happened, but you have to find the video somewhere. That was, <laughs> that's going to stick with me for a while. Uh, so uh, for any of your POTS flares, um, is there like a first symptom you have that's sort of like your canary in the coal mine? That's the first thing that usually happens before things go wrong. Mm, for me, it tends to be a headache. That's usually, mm. or like today, I've kind of got this, it's been really, well, I've I've got a new pet hedgehog, random story. <laughs> <laughs> 
but she needs to be kept really warm and that's having a really bad effect on my pots um we're getting something to fix that so that she can just be warm and the whole room doesn't have to be warm um but i've had to take myself wet box now yeah Yeah. (laughs) so i've ended up with a bit of a rash because my pots have started to be funny and a headache so that's kind of the that my pots is is not happy it's giving me a little warning sign that <laughs> it needs something <laughs> so when you do get that warning sign what's your first uh, course of action do you have like a flare bag of tricks that you go to to try to stop it from getting too bad it's normally downing a pint of water at least straight Very away smart. yes um and then grabbing a, a pack of crisps or chips <laughs> I'm noticing the the Americanisms here. <laughs> I've I've been to England. I I know the 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 lingo. I've I've read Harry Potter. I know the I know what a, a, a jumper do, is and the boot. They, and, yeah. Do they have crisps in Harry Potter? <laughs> I think Ron eats a lot, so I'm sure so at sure. some point. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's usually the the go to. Got it. Straight away. Well, very smart. The, the, I crave sodium constantly. And, yeah. I, and I did for like a couple of years before my pots got really worse and we knew that I had it. Mm. I just, people always thought that, oh, Joe likes extra salt on this or he's a big popcorn guy. And then I was like, a, then I have a doctor's note saying like, well, it's medically <laughs> prescribed. So you guys can go away. It's not a personality quirk. It's something I need to live. I don't know if you find this, but I always find that I need more salt when my pots is worse, as in I won't taste it. So I'll put loads of salt on something and then I'll eat it and be like, this doesn't taste salty. We need more. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Our bodies are telling us you Mm -hmm. need more salt in that. And I remember going for um, a meal, the first meal with my my boyfriend and him just looking at me as I put salt (laughs) on my food. (laughs) Like... (laughs) I'd kind of told him in passing that I needed more salt, but I don't think he realized quite how much. It's different when you see it in person because it's yeah. things that have become normal for me. I mean, people may find this gross, but if I have like pizza or something, I've put salt on pizza yeah. and yeah, I get the nod from you. And then yeah. I do it in front of other people and they're just like, <laughs> like, what are you doing? You're like murdering that pizza. And it's like, I, I need this. Like this is, there's a note right here. It says I need it. See, I don't know about the US, but in the UK, they've like stopped putting salt on tables in restaurants as like a health thing. So you always oh. have to ask for it. So I get so many servers that just look at me like, really? Really? <laughs> you need salt? And it's like, yes, I do. They look at your plate and it's like, none of this needs salt. It, it absolutely does. You order dessert. Salt. I need some yeah. salt with that. <laughs> a salt on the creme brulee. Yeah, just a little bit. You know, you got to spread it out throughout the day. Yeah. So when when you have a, a big, so let's say it gets even hotter in your house and your hedgehog is for, forcing you to, to have a pots flare, uh, just sort of like, you know, do you have a favorite comfort meal? Do you have a favorite television show that you turn to during these flare times? I mean, Friends is the classic TV show that just, oh, yeah, always cheers everyone up, right? Mm-hmm. So that's that's generally my go-to. Um, I don't think there's anything else in particular. I tend to watch like fairly trashy TV when I'm unwell. I just, I think it helps everyone feel better. <laughs> 
my brain doesn't have the capacity to, you know, pay attention exactly. to an Aaron Sorkin script when I'm trying to deal with my body. And it's like, I just want a misunderstanding to happen for 22 minutes. That's, yeah, exactly. that's good enough for me. I tend to rewatch old stuff as well a lot. Um, mm. I think, again, because your brain just can't quite get something new on board. So like Grey's Anatomy is another one I always go back to. RuPaul's Drag Race, just (laughs) over and over again. (laughs) Well, something from your neck of the woods. I love the uh, Great British baking, the Bake Off. Off, Yeah. Yeah. No, my wife and I went to England about a year and a half ago. And, you know, we traveled around and did a bunch of stuff. And we came home and then just started watching the Great British Bake Off. After we came back and we were like, we messed up our trip. Like we should have started watching this before and then we would have gone and found the tent. Like we were, we were in that neck of the woods. We went to a place called like Babington house and it was like, it's kind of near there. I don't know. I, yeah, I tried it's driving in a new place around this year. COVID. Oh, okay. And COVID just messing everything up. I know. Yeah. We, we haven't watched any of the new season yet. So I won't spoil anything for you. So, so big thing with chronic illnesses is there's a, a lot that goes on that people don't talk about because it may seem embarrassing. Uh, is Do you have anything that you've encountered that may be embarrassing, but you're going to share here because there may be somebody else out there who's like, I have this thing and I'm not telling anyone about it because I'm a little embarrassed, but normalizing it may make them feel a little bit better. Yeah, I'm... I'm quite lucky that I don't feel like I have anything or at least I don't think it's embarrassing or I, I try, especially on my YouTube channel. I think Instagram's a bit different because of how Instagram is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've, it kind of now just looks pretty and doesn't quite tell the whole story, but my YouTube channel, I'm laid bare for all to see <laughs> like everything. I try and be as open as possible so that, people feel less alone because that's why I started my YouTube channel because it helped me to feel less alone. And I found this community. So I always want to help people feel like that and getting comments where people have said that to me, that's the best kind of comment. Um, you know, I'm usually in tears at some point, most weeks in my vlog, (laughs) um, through something or other, usually, Mm you know dramatic or hormonal or something (laughs) (laughs) but we find that out later yeah Um, but yeah I try not to I try not to make anything embarrassing and try and talk about as much as I can for that reason no and I definitely see it uh on Instagram there is that I'm going to try to make chronic illness look as nice as possible Mm -hmm. which is There's definitely a time and a place for all of that. And, you know, there's editing software. So if people are a little self-conscious about stuff, but you opened up one of your videos kind of just like laying down and filming. And and that that speaks to the entire community because we do most of our work at times in a prone position. (laughs) And even if you're, you know, if you have a a growing media empire as you do, you know, with the YouTube and the Instagram. (laughs) Not sure it's quite that. (laughs) I mean, you're in the thousands. That's impressive. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it it helps to normalize that. And other people who are like, I couldn't get out of bed today or I laid in bed for an extra hour. Uh, Am I behind? Am I not doing everything that I can be doing? It's like, no, 
we all do that. We all have those days. Yeah. You all have those moments. And some of those days are more common than not. Yeah. And I think Instagram, I kind of take the nice pictures and then try and talk about something important. So people mm-hmm. see the nice pictures and then want to know more. And I think that's how you can hook people on Instagram and get them to f- look at the really important message. And I think a post that I did recently for Invisible Disabilities Week was really important because I took a picture of me with my stick, with a brace because my shoulder was out, in my pajamas, no makeup, hair up, looking a bit of a mess. And then literally right next to it, have a picture of me all glammed up, hair done, makeup in a nice dress without a mobility aid Mm -hmm. to be like, you know, this is, this is what it's like. This might be what you see, but this is what's happening most days in the background. And that's why on my YouTube, you know, I'm, I take video wherever I am. If I'm lying on the sofa, which I am most of the time, (laughs) then that's where you're going to see me. Um, so yeah, I think that's important. You have, you have a great attitude when it comes to your chronic illnesses, and it definitely shows through. Uh, have you found any like positive things that you've gained from your chronic illness journey? Yeah, 100%. I think the community is the biggest thing for me. And um, this year I set up, I've had a support group on Facebook for a little while, but mm. I started doing Zoom meetings and regular Zoom meetings. And it's just so nice to be able to directly talk to people every couple of weeks that have the same condition. And we don't necessarily talk about our conditions at all, but it's just that mutual understanding that we're all in pain, we're all tired, Mm -hmm. we're all having XYZ flair of something or other. And that impacts the rest of our lives. And we can talk about the rest of our lives with the mutual understanding that we have this extra extra thing. Um, so I think the community is definitely one of the most positive things. I think when I started out and wasn't diagnosed and was trying to find answers, I felt so alone and like no one else was going through this and that there wasn't anyone else, especially anyone else my age that had gone through something like this. So yeah. to then open up myself and then find this community was incredible. Um, and I also think that it's, it's definitely made me a stronger person and probably a better person. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I think we have so much more empathy and understanding for other people's situations, whatever they may be, not just in an illness sense, because we have that deeper level of understanding that someone can look okay and really be going through something. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, yeah. And as well, originally I went to do my degree straight out of, of school and I probably wasn't ready for it. My illness meant that I had to take two years out in the middle of it. And I think that was the best thing that could have happened. And I met all these different people that I wouldn't have met otherwise and just had a much better experience because I knew how important university was to me. I think if I'd have carried on and hadn't got sick, it it wouldn't have had such significance because I hadn't, because I had to leave, I worked so hard to be able to go back and to finish my degree. And that was the goal. And to do it just felt amazing because I'd had to go through so much to get there. 
I really feel that. I I got sick my freshman year of my first yeah. year of first Same. year of uni as uh, <laughs> sorry at, 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 at university. However, you guys are my first year of college, as us go. Americans call it. Um, and abs- you know, you you leave, and it feels like the world kept moving. And you yeah. were on that. You were, you know, I, I, I didn't think about anything that I did up until then. It was just like, I'm um, in middle school, I'm in high school, I'm going to go to college. These are the things I'm going to yeah. do. And it gives you a moment to reflect on all of that and kind of see where you're going. I switched uh, career uh, majors uh, mm-hmm. in between because, I mean, well, for me, I stayed at home when I was sick and watched a lot of television and movies. And I'm like, I'd like to do that for a yeah. living. <laughs> And then I, you know, moved to Hollywood, you know, finished, moved to Hollywood, did all that type of stuff. Uh, but no, having those sort of uh, meditative moments within the, your chronic illness, it really puts everything into perspective. Yeah, 100%. So we live in different countries and we yeah. live in, we have vastly different medical systems. Uh, and so usually the preamble to this question is other than medical bills and medication, <laughs> what do you spend the most money on? And for you, you can throw those things in there as well. So, well, yeah, it's quite nice that I don't really have to have to pay for that. Like we're very lucky in the UK and the NHS is such an important thing. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's definitely not being managed as well as it could be at the moment and, and needs that, that support. Um, so, because I think it's a great asset and I, I don't know how you Americans do this. Like, I don't, I don't think that I can do. (laughs) Many don't. And especially, especially having a chronic illness, uh, my career, uh, I work in a gig industry, uh, entertainment. It's very, there are a lot of freelance type of people. I can't do that. I had to get a job at one of the networks because I can't just freelance. I need somebody who's going to pay my insurance because I yeah. don't know when I'm going to go to the emergency room. I don't know when I'm going to be able to do any of those type of things. And there are a lot of people who you have to work a certain amount of days and a certain amount of hours until you can get into a guild or a union and then you get health insurance. Otherwise, you're supplementing it yourself. And, and then if oh, you're sick, you struggle to reach those those targets or, you know, oh, that yeah. minimum. It's not great. It's not great at all. (laughs) So, uh, but just in terms of uh, what you spend your money on, it's a, it's a good source uh, to see where people's priorities are. So for your chronic illness, is there something you spend the most money on? I mean, recently it's been pretty mobility aids. (laughs) Very important. Um, And yeah, lots of, lots of different ones. Um, I get like a bit of a magpie with nice walking sticks and, (laughs) I see a new one. I'm like, I have to have this new one. Um, but yeah, so that's where a lot of things go. But I, th- I think it is just those, I don't really call them mobility aids because they're not mobility aids in the sense of like walker, wheelchair, walking stick, but mm. those little mobility aids that you don't think of, um, like the knife I was talking about earlier or like yeah. a, a special like colander thing. So I don't have to lift a heavy pan and, those kind of little bits and pieces that you don't think you need until you get them. And then you're like, Oh my goodness, what have I been doing without this? Um, so yeah, I think that's where most of, most of my money comes out with chronic illness. Um, but also I think at the moment it's different with COVID, but I think it's a lot of like 
extras for travel and that kind of thing the little the little extras that you don't that other people don't necessarily need like you end up paying a premium for certain food if Mm -hmm. like me I'm intolerant to quite a lot and you have to pay that extra to get it because they make less of it um yeah so I think it's just all those little little premiums and having to get like taxis and things more when people could just walk and you know those kind of things so with uh with pots and eds uh do you have any type of exercise reg exercise i'm gonna say it correctly (laughs) an exercise regimen that uh helps uh, your chronic illnesses (sighs) (laughs) that was a sigh um (laughs) i i do and i don't Mm. i i'm very good at getting into a good habit of it and then something will happen like a global pandemic that will <laughs> completely set me on the wrong, wrong course. Um, it tends to it, change people's plans. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a deadly just, just virus a just them. out there. Yeah. It's tough. I did this great thing here in the UK, um, which is a rehabilitation course and um, three weeks, um, like inpatient rehab course for pain management. And it includes physio, occupational therapy, a bit of psychology and kind of group discussions. And a lot of that focused focused on exercise and routine and that kind of thing. And after that program, I was doing really well at having regular regular exercise and doing the right things in the right way. Mm. And then I went back to university and it all kind of went out the window. And the same thing kind of happened when I'd left university and was quite settled in my job and I'd started getting getting back to the gym and doing the right things. And then COVID hit and it all went out the window again. So I think it's tricky in this environment for us at the moment. I know a lot of us spend a lot of time at home anyway, so we would have thought about ways that we could do this from home. Mm-hmm. But I just haven't quite got there yet. <laughs> Well, this pandemic's not going away anytime soon. So you've got no. some time if you're interested in, in putting that together. So when you when you would go to the gym, uh, what type of things would you do? Um, for me, it was really about starting slowly. Um, you know, when I was doing my physio, it was kind of things like sit to stands. I don't know if you've done that before, where you literally just sit down and stand up. And it kind of helps with your leg muscles and helps your pots. And I was getting to the point where I was progressing in that and, you know, ended up doing like proper squats and then moving on to like weighted squats. And I got to a really good point with it and then it went out the window. But (laughs) um, it's also for me a lot about my shoulders because those are the joints with EDS that tend to go out the most. So Mm -hmm. it's a lot of like rotator cuff exercises and using like – I can't think what you call them now, resistance bands um, to kind of build, build strength in my arms. And that's something that I need to get back to. And I'm going to make myself get back to because um, I'm, I'm, you can start to tell when your deconditioning gets to a certain point and you can't lift certain things quite the way you used to. (laughs) I think I was grating a carrot the other day and it just was painful. And I was like, I need to do some arm exercises. (laughs) Ah, crap. I got to get resistance bands now. Yeah. (laughs) So we were talking a little bit more about uh, sleep and how that's been important, uh, trying to get uh, that right amount of sleep. Uh, Do you have any going to bed rituals, any type of habits? If you can't sleep, do you have any like remedies, anything like that? 
I think the most important thing for me was actually turning the TV off in my room or um, since I've moved, I don't have a TV in my room anymore. Um, And it was actually something my boyfriend had never had a TV in his room and didn't want one. And Mm. I was kind of like, oh, but I really need one because I spend a lot of time in bed. (laughs) And then since not having it, it's actually been the best thing for me. Um, You know, if I am really, really sick and have to stay in bed, I've got my laptop that I can watch things on. Um, but I tend to be able to migrate or get my boyfriend to help me migrate to the sofa, um, even on a really bad day so that I can just watch TV. Um, but I think my routine tends to, especially when I can't sleep, I'm not very good with mindfulness stuff. Um, mm. it just hasn't, hasn't worked for me, but I find that an audio book really, really helps, um, you can pick one that's really, really boring and <laughs> have someone with a really not great voice and um, or a really monotone voice and mm-hmm. eventually you'll get off to sleep. <laughs> but I think I have a lot of anxiety and I think that's a big reason why I have trouble sleeping. So for me, having something for my brain to focus on and listen to is really important because it takes me away from those thoughts Mm-hmm. Um, without having to do something that's mindfulness that like, I can't clear my brain. Like I've tried a lot <laughs> and it doesn't happen. So giving me something else to focus on as, as a distraction, but is still mindful is, is the way that I go these days. So what book has put you to sleep the fastest? Is it the, the so... <laughs> Twilight series? Is it a 50 Shades? What are we working with? No. So when I was at uni, we were doing um, Grapes of Wrath. And I, I hope my oh. my tutor never, ever listens to this. But I mm. never read the book because <laughs> it's this thick and it's horrible. And I, I got the audio book like, oh, maybe I'll be able to to get through it with the audio book. Nope, it put me to sleep the absolute <laughs> fastest of anything ever. The guy that reads it has just this awful monotone voice and the the way the words kind of flow over you in Grapes of Wrath is <laughs> is uh, is so detailed that you just, there is no point to anything. <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's a wildly detailed book and it's just, oh, it's so fat. The Dust Bowl in America. Yeah, just, wow. exactly. <laughs> oh, please. It's enough to put anyone to sleep. <laughs> Uh, were there any, I know I definitely learn more from my mistakes, uh, than I do from things that I do well. Uh, have there been, were there any big mistakes near the beginning of your chronic illness journey, uh, that you made that you learned a lot from? I think definitely that I always still tried to do everything that I used to be able to do and just expected it to be fine. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And it never is. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, there was one time at rehab, uh, they have this um, sports kind of session every every week. Um, and they'd let you do different activities like table tennis and a little bit of gentle badminton and darts and that kind of thing. And badminton mm-hmm. was my sport. I used to play it seriously at uni before I got sick. Uh, I was on the team. I was quite good. So as soon as you I saw badminton, have, you guys badminton. have badminton teams. That yeah. Is, <laughs> yeah. yeah. There, there, every once in a while, you encounter something that's just so quintessentially British <laughs> that it's, it's it's a lovely country. It's absolutely beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. The most British thing I could do. <laughs> <laughs> I was doing it. I was doing it well, and uh, thought that I could. Um, you know, just play pretty much as I was, as I was used to. And, and I mm-hmm. tried it 
And, you know, my pots wasn't happy, but I was kind of feeling okay and thought, oh, I've gotten away with this. Went and had dinner, gotten away with this, gone to bed, woke up the next day, could not walk. Mm. And... (laughs) Yeah, I feel that. Yeah. My... And then the next day we had like swimming or like hydrotherapy. And Mm. I remember my physio having to like drag me into the pool and drag (laughs) me out of it again because I just pushed it way too hard. Um, So I think that was my biggest mistake near the beginning, thinking... Oh, I'm having an okay day. Let's try something. <laughs> like, let's be normal again. Oh, nope, nope. Okay. No. <laughs> I'll see Don't everybody in a week. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm very interested now. Uh, we're going to talk about bags. And uh, I know personally, I have a uh, hospital go bag. Uh, it's not sitting there all the time, but I do have that mental checklist in my mind. Uh, the very few times I've had to go to an emergency room or something like that, I know I need to grab this, I need to grab that, uh, make sure I have all of this information. Uh, what's, do you have a mental checklist of that, of something like that? Yeah, I don't really have like a hospital go bag. I'm quite lucky to not have had to go to the hospital too much, um, recently anyway. So it's kind of more things that I would keep with me most of the time. Um, It's always a massive bottle of water, um, (laughs) just wherever I go. Um, That comes with me. Um, I also have these great um, cards. Um, They're from a company called Stickman Communications, and they just briefly explain in like two sentences all sorts of chronic illnesses. And I found them so helpful over the years um, when I've had like POTS attacks. And I remember I was on a, I was on a cruise um, during like the fire drill and I'd had a complete POTS attack because I tried to do the stairs stupidly. Um, And obviously this member of staff was really concerned about me and I couldn't speak because I was so out of breath. So I could just get this card out of my, my bag and show it to them and they could read in two sentences that, you know, I wasn't well, but I was fine, if that makes sense. Like, this was normal. Um, we don't need to airlift this person out. We yeah, exactly. Get them a seat some water. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are always in my bag. I always carry extra salt with me um, <laughs> because places don't have it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's that's most most things that are in my bag on a regular basis, apart from pain medication. And, um, you know, it looks like you've got a pharmacy in your bag most of the time. (laughs) Yeah. When I walk with my backpack, you can hear the slight jingle jangle of the pills (laughs) and the pill organizer. It's really cool. It's a great look. Yeah. So you've, you've created these, uh, great, uh, survival kits on Amazon. Uh, the POTS, EDS, uh, walk us through some of the highlights from that, what you put in there and, and why they're in those uh, survival kits. Yeah, so they're on my blog as well. And I talk a bit more about why the products are useful on there. Um, but some of the main things I talked a lot in the summer here, we had a crazy heat wave for the UK. And um, so a lot of products that help stay cool because one of my main things with pots is the heat. Um, And one of my favorite things and really inexpensive things was this like wearable fan 
you could just put it around your neck and it had these two little fans and it would just blow <laughs> cool air in your face. Um, it changed, it had lights on it that changed color for absolutely no reason. <laughs> um, you get hot at a rave, you need to have, <laughs> you know, you have to stay in the moment with the blinking lights, but then you also got to keep cool. Yeah, no, yeah that makes it sense. works. Yeah. yeah, next time mm-hmm. I go to a party or a wedding, I'll definitely... <laughs> Ready to go. I'm bringing the party with me. <laughs> But yeah, they were a huge, huge help um, because we actually moved house during during that hot period. So for me to be able to function at all, having these two these two fans on me constantly uh, was amazing. And they're like battery powered, so you just plug them in and go. Um, oh, that's great. It was great. Um, so they're definitely high up on that that list. Um, I think my hair dryer stand is another huge thing. Um, because people with POTS, I mean, it's helpful for both POTS and EDS because EDS, it helps your joints because you don't have to hold this heavy thing yeah. above your head, but the same with POTS. And obviously with the POTS, there's the heat element as well. Um, and my ex-boyfriend and my mum used to be terrible hairdressers. They know that. <laughs> <laughs> um, my boyfriend now is quite good. But, um, you had but to get a, the- a better boyfriend who could do your hair. I get it. <laughs> Just because he needed to be able to dry my hair, yeah. Yeah, sorry, um, dude. <laughs> bye. <laughs> um, but yeah, the the best thing about the hair dryer stand is just being able to be independent with that and not and being able to do my own hair and not have to rely on someone to do it for me and wait till they were free and sit there with cold hair until that that happens. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, that's another key point. But yeah, it was just a case of amalgamating all the things that I'd find helpful and all the things that I'd learned over the years through various guises um, to put it all into one step-by-step guide is, you know, you've just been diagnosed. Here's, here's what would be helpful for you. Uh, Because I think that's something that I wish I'd had when I was diagnosed. So I didn't have to take two, three, four, five years to figure it out. (laughs) And I'm adding new stuff all the time. Uh, Whenever I find something that's helpful, it, it goes on the list. So. That's awesome. And if anybody's listening to this who would like to find those, again, you can go over to uh, Chronically Jenny's Instagram, go to her uh, the link in her bio, and you can find everything right there. Uh, speaking of Instagram, this is sort of a uh, elevating other people that uh, <laughs> in, influence us and uh, really inspire us. Are there is there an Instagram account that you follow on Instagram that you absolutely love? They speak to you, they hear you, they see you. Uh, give them a plug or a shout out if you could. Yeah, um, a woman called Tess Daly. Um, her Instagram is at tess.daily. and she's just incredible. She's she's a makeup and fashion um, Instagrammer and influencer, and she has incredible makeup skills. Um, but she she lives with SMA, and um, she she's currently going through um, some some treatment for that, which is absolutely incredible for her. But she's just absolutely hilarious, and does amazing reels and amazing content, and all the comments just they make me smile and they make me laugh every time I see her pop up on my feed. And yeah. I think that's, that's the people you need, um, in this world, just someone that's going to brighten up your day and someone that you, you can't wait to see their next <laughs> post. Um, and you're like scrolling through your feed, like, Oh, where have they gone? Where um, are they? Yes. <laughs> oh, that's great. 
So with uh, your, you do a lot of work in the chronic illness community. You have uh, multiple platforms. You also have to live your daily life and go about and continue to actually uh, live with these chronic illnesses. How do you combat emotional and physical burnout? Uh, not very well. <laughs> <laughs> As you will see if you watch any of my vlogs. Um I, I used to get told off a lot by by some of my followers in a nice way, um, in a really nice way. <laughs> um, um, my my one of my friends, who's a fellow YouTuber, Beverly Butterfly. Um, she she used to absolutely tell me off when I do too much every single week without fail. <laughs> She'd be like, Jenny, why do you do it to yourself? I'd be like, I don't know, Beverly. I just can't stop. <laughs> so. Um, so yeah, I I think the burnout is is something that I'm quite good at running on empty and acting like everything's kind of okay and not just acting like it, telling myself that everything's okay. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah. before suddenly hitting a wall of <laughs> I can't do this anymore. Um you know, pacing pacing is a skill mm. and it's a skill that even if you have mastered it for a little while or have mastered certain aspects of it, you're never going to, I don't think there's anyone in this world who will ever truly master pacing. Like occupational therapists think that it's easy and think that you can do it like that. <laughs> and they have never tried it. Like, <laughs> uh, It's really easy advice to give. It's very, yes. oh, I could, I could tell a billion people, Hey, <laughs> moderation take it easy you know plan what you're going to do during the day just fill it up not too much but then you know you have to pay bills and your your boyfriend or your child or someone else gets sick or you know you oh, yeah. you have to you there's an emergency in your house or there's a global pandemic god forbid <laughs> and um, you know things things change you can you can plan things with the best will in the world Mm -hmm. and they won't happen and you know i think the pandemic especially has affected everyone in this world but especially people with chronic illnesses and you know you think that you've got it going okay and then you can't work for whatever reason whether because you have you're vulnerable and you have to right. shield yourself and you can't work from home or Mm -hmm. because your your job like you said like our, the entertainment industry is like a bit of a mess right now um so my job in that industry has kind of gone overnight and you have to pick up different things and trying to do that when you are also trying to pace and also have a full-time chronic illness I think that's the thing you know I always say I have lots of part-time jobs around my full-time <laughs> chronic illness like that's <laughs> It's a great way of putting that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so for this next question, uh, I'm positive it will not be a character from the Grapes of Wrath, but <laughs> is, is there a fictional character that you've encountered that now thinking back may have one or both of your chronic illnesses, but the author, the directors, or the actors didn't explicitly tell us? <laughs> Um, I don't think, well, so definitely people with EDS tend to refer to Elastigirl from The Incredibles. 
because she's super hypermobile, but she's the kind of hypermobile that we all want to be. (laughs) The the kind of hypermobile that, you know, you want to make yourself a parachute and you just do it. Um, You know, (laughs) that's what we wish EDS was like. (laughs) You didn't have any of the pain and you got to be a superhero. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That's Um, great. But yeah, so there's that. But I also, I'm a princess performer um, as one of my jobs, um, for, for children's, children's parties. And I love that. And, you know, I think Elsa is a really interesting, like, if you think about her powers as a chronic illness, I think Mm. that's really interesting because she gets shut out of these things and, you know, she gets in her own head about her, her powers or her, her illness. And, people people see it as an illness they're scared of it they're scared of her and she feels like she has to go away to make everyone's lives easier and I think we can all feel like that at certain points that we can be this burden to our family like I think Elsa felt that she was but then she kind of owns it in the end so I think the the frozen songs and the frozen films especially going back and watching them uh, as I was becoming a performer like made me relate to I'd always related to Anna a bit more but they made me relate to Elsa in this journey that she had of accepting herself uh, with this thing that she'd been given that she had no control of and she had to learn how to manage I love this question because my answer was this stupid jokey video and you come at me you <laughs> it was come a at great me with video this, that was fine I loved it you come at me with this profound take <laughs> on frozen and chronic illness. I've and now it's like it too much. <laughs> like now you're going to know what I'm going to do the rest of the day. We're, we're, I'm sorry. I'm going to tell my wife anything you had planned, put it on hold. We're watching frozen. I did not know this was autobiographical about me. It was biographical about me. So, you know, we're going to have to go let it go. And it's going to be, <laughs> gonna be good times it's it's frozen to show yourself like that is the moment she's she's conquered it and she she's managing she knows what she's doing (laughs) wow i'm i'm speechless because i'm playing (laughs) through the the movies in my head and it's like well shit okay well now i gotta watch them again okay well there's this great song as well in uh the broadway version of frozen that anna actually sings and for a lot of people, it's it's called True Love, the song, and the lyrics um, talk about being stuck in the same room. And it was kind of relevant of lockdown, but also of chronic illness. Um, it's sat alone in this room before, hours and hours on end. Um, why can't I think of the lyrics unless I sing them and I'm not going to sing them? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Um, and then it's talking about like thinking they see a friend at the door and they're not there and they can't like it's oh god it's very yeah chronic illness reminiscent <laughs> wow well okay well now now I I've got to watch the movies and then book a book a flight to New York once Broadway opens up again they're like oh are you gonna go see Hades Town you gonna what go see To Kill a Mockingbird and it's like no, no we're seeing Frozen. Frozen. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to be the tallest one in that theater. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I've got tickets to when it comes to the UK. <laughs> oh, gosh. So uh, we, we've uh, thank you so much for your time today. I, I want to end this sort of on a, on a high note. Um, we've talked about the, the ups and downs of chronic illnesses. 
and what we do when we're in the flares and what we do at the bottoms. But the great thing about chronic illness being a roller coaster is the momentum at times brings you back up to the top of the hill. So when you're at the top, when you do have that energy, what do you do with your time? What do you prioritize? It's a really good question. (laughs) Um, I don't know. Kind of just spending time with my friends and my family and my partner. Um, like we really love a day out. Um, we, we like going to like theme parks or, you know, something a little bit different. Um, sometimes that's a good idea. Sometimes it isn't, but, and I love traveling when we can travel. Um, I think that's such an important thing to me. And that is definitely something where I'll be like, screw how this feels tomorrow. I'm going (laughs) to do it. Um, I was in Croatia last year and they have these, um, the old town have these these walls around them um like they've been in like game of thrones like oh they're yeah so incredible and i was like right i'm going to the top like there was loads of stairs up it was a i can't even tell you what the circle like how big it is but it's insanely big uh, and i just had my walking stick because i couldn't take my walker or my wheelchair or anything on this you know it's not designed for that uh, uh yeah, and i was just it's like not ada compliant as we no. call it here. yeah <laughs> i was like screw it i'm here once i'm not coming back i'm gonna i'm gonna do this i don't care how i feel tomorrow or the next day i'm just mm-hmm. gonna enjoy this while i can and i think you have to have those moments with a chronic illness where you're having a good day and you have to be like pacing out the window. (laughs) I want to do this because, you know, this might be the only time that I get to do this. So while I can, let's, let's do it. That's wonderful. And thank you again for spending your time here today. Thank you so Uh, much for having me. It's been great. Great. And if you're if you would like to uh, find more about Chronically Jenny, that's Jenny with two N's and one I. <laughs> you can find her again at Chronically Jenny on Instagram. ChronicallyJenny.com is her blog, and you can find her on YouTube at Chronically Jenny. Jenny, thanks so much for coming here today. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to this week's episode of the Chronic Illness Playbook. If you haven't already, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And while you're there, we really wouldn't mind if you left us a positive comment and rating. You can find more information about the podcast at Chronic Illness Playbook on Instagram or visit us at chronicillnessplaybook.com. And to find similar content just like this, head on over to Chronic Illness Resources on Instagram or visit chronicillnessresourceguide.com. Well, that's it for me today. I really appreciate you spending some time with us. And until next time, spoons up, everybody. Chronic Illness Playbook Podcast is for informational and or entertainment purposes only and is not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. The information about products and services contained on this podcast does not constitute endorsement or recommendation by the Chronic Illness Playbook. The Chronic Illness Playbook is not responsible nor liable for any advice, course of treatment, diagnosis, or any other information, services, or products that you obtain through this podcast. 